This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for becoming patrons at patreon.com slash the tome show. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show. And I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And in this episode, we're going full circle because it's episode number 360. And we're going to go fee-fi-fo-fum as we discuss Bigby Presents Glory of the Giants. You will notice that we are without Tracy today. She's a bit under the weather. But fear not because we have some real giants with us today. Lobbing boulders from the land of tribality. It's the ever artistic and generally nice guy. It's our stone giant friend, Brandis Stoddard. Hi, that's a really interesting introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I try to be interesting in my introductions. Are are you offended by being a a stone giant? Uh, No, I I, I do like to be underground and asleep and always think I'm awake. uh, Because (laughs) that would get me more sleep. I would like that. Uh, The the stone giant lore is wild, guys, is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) And also, we are joined by our benevolent and wise giant looking down on us from the land of gnome stew and thaco with advantage it is our resident storm giant jared rasher boom that's all i got, <laughs> that's all, you got. all right you are very high cr do you know that <laughs> <laughs> all right we are talking today about big b presents glory of the giants uh, which I always I keep wanting to call Big B's Glory of the Giants, like it was Fizbin's Treasury yeah. of Dragons, but here we are. <laughs> well, so so Jeff, Great. where are you, where, where are you in this ordning? Where am I in the ordning? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I believe I'm a an ogre. Oh, <laughs> I, I was wondering if we had a, a troll in the in the call with us here. <laughs> I consider that as an option as well, but I try not to be a troll. That's good. <laughs> anyway, we are talking about Big B. Big B presents Glory of the Giants. Uh, this is a book published by Wizards of the Coast. It's kind of themed around giants in the same way Fizbin's Treasury of Dragons is themed around dragons. It gives us lore, stats, and player options centered around giants, uh, a, a classic D&D monster uh, in many ways. Um, and, and in an effort for, for full disclosure, who is working from review copies today? I am. I pre-ordered mine, and oh, also yes. it's been out for a while. It has been out for a while. <laughs> no, absolutely. And uh, and I I was expecting a review copy and didn't. Wizards has changed the way they're doing review copies, and, and somehow with Big B's, things got finagled uh but i do have uh free copies come come to me through D beyond so i am still technically i guess working from a review copy that's how you know you're not in the ordering anymore that's this is what i'm saying <laughs> i don't know if this is relevant to the episode but apparently from what I'm, i've heard they've taken all the people that were their like community contacts and separated them into creators and and media um and for some reason, the Tome Show is creators, not media. Um, despite the fact that we don't do any content creation besides, you know, media type stuff. <laughs> so uh, I think that's part of what's going on. So interesting. You can't let entertainment go without further quantification. I, I guess. Or else just let it wrap around and say content. You're just all content. Right. Look, once people start talking about. Uh, the WGA is part of the content industry. That is, uh-huh. that is a phrase to turn the bowels of even strong men. It hurt my toenails hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about uh, giants here. Uh, my first question is, uh, and and it's worth noting, this is not the, the 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 situation with review copies and all that kind of stuff is the reason why we aren't doing a surprise round. We didn't try to get this out just as it came out or before it came out because um, I didn't get early copies this time around. So um, it is what it is, and and I I, I do not begrudge Watsi for making those decisions. They got to do what they got to do, and I don't expect them to send me free things. That is not. Uh, that is not part of the, the privilege I live with necessarily. So um, I am lucky we didn't try to record then. I believe I was 
uh, deep underwater with work at that point. Oh, well, that worked out well then. Are you literally underwater or this figuratively uh, underwater? Well, you're the storm giant. I was, oh, I, was just buried. Buried. was buried. I was just buried. <laughs> buried with work. Yes. All right. So what is the, I want to start with what is the purpose of this book? How do we see the, the, what the goals are? And then we can sort of, if we, if we have a sense of what we think they were trying to do, then we can build a sense of whether or not they were successful in it. So I would say that uh, the way I express the goal is that they want giants and giant lore to be essentially a, a pillar of potential plot running mm-hmm. in the same way that dragons are with Fizzbonds and dragons have been in every edition of, of D and D going back to second, maybe I think it's Dra- is there Dra- Draconomicon second. I don't remember. Draconomicon was second edition. Yeah. So, so there's been something like that all the way through and those books are traditionally real good. Um, I think the last time we had a just it, it's giants all the way down. We're doing giants today. Book was giant craft in second. Um, yeah, I, I think so. A, a book incidentally written by uh, now former uh, what's he? Uh, oh God, what was his title? Executive producer. It's hard uh, keeping track of what their titles are. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Ray Winninger. I'm talking about Ray Winninger here. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone fixed that for me in post. Okay, Sam. Thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> so um, they want giants and their lore and conflicts and content to be you know, a strong potential foundation for adventures and campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, they see that as a, a, a rich well to work from and yeah they're right it is um, it's interesting because this is you know as we've alluded to this is not a style of book that is uncommon in D um right. production cycles right and, and especially as you hit at least the later half if not later even later than that um of the age uh, of a lifespan of an edition, right? We is the, when we start seeing the Draconomicon or the Demonomicon or whatever, right? Um, right, or, or your Lords of Madness, you know, yes. Phoenix Codex, um, yes. all of those. Man, those books are typically real good. And, and yeah, that, I was going to say they are. They they there's a long history of these kinds of books being being really good, being steeped in great lore, but also presenting all kinds of new stat blocks that are super useful and uh, doing all kinds of interesting and fun things. That said, like I've gotten used to those style books coming out at least since since my play in well, I, I guess second edition uh, we saw some stuff like that, right? But really, third and fourth edition it sort of became became expected uh, to me. Um, and where I, I felt like they really shined. Um, but third yep. and fourth edition never did it with Giants. This is the first time they've they've done it with Giants, I think, as you said, since second edition. And, and that was a Forgotten Realms book, I, I hasten to point out. Okay. Yeah. Well, the first Forgotten Realms had a bunch of its own soft cover. Yeah. Oh, well, oh okay. Uh, Forgotten Realms had a bunch of its own soft cover yeah. sort of lore books. Uh, they'd have a little bit of player-facing content, um, often just spells, right? Because it was second, and there wasn't a lot else to give, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, um, the the Seven Sisters book, the Draw of the Underdark book, right. Elves of Evermeet, um, and so on, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so Giant Craft fit into that space, right? So, so it's 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 interesting that they went that route that, that they've decided to do something with giants this time around. I'm not saying it's an inappropriate direction for them to go, but it's interesting that they've done giants before they've done demons and devils. They could have done uh, uh, an, an aberrant thing and tied it in with the, the recent adventure release, you know, then thematically sort of built on each other that way. Um, although that has not really been the fifth edition process. They haven't necessarily done an adventure book. And then the other book, yeah, something that supports it for most of fifth edition. Right, um, they really don't want you to ever need two disconnected sales right. to run something. Um, 
So they did kind of do it with Demons and Devils, because that's Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, which became um, uh, Monsters of the Multiverse, right? Well, but Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes included some things with Demons and Devils, but there was all this other stuff in there, too. There was, right? But before we had Fizzbonds and Bigby's here, uh, that was their way of doing this thing. They've changed their, Mm -hmm. their approach to the thing. The the big lore section in the front of Volos and the big lore well, section in the front of uh, Warden Kynans. Yeah, that's what that's about. That's right? true. That, it, that it's it's getting at the same thing. Yeah. Right. And and so you've got you know your your section on on orcs. You've got your section on gnolls. You've got your section on demons and devils and. Sorry, Yugoloths get bent, guys. Yeah, right. and mind flayers are in there. <laughs> Yugoloths are, you know, I gotta say, as 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 a social studies educator, I, I've always had an affinity for Yugoloths because yep. we're, we're we're all sort of the neglected class. Uh, uh, <laughs> our mind, you know, so. uh, yeah, I'd like to see an adventure, like really go deep on them and uh, give them a lot of a lot of love and let them present the kind of threat they're supposed to present. Because let me tell you, Arcanaloths are a problem. I've had to face some Arcanaloths in, in uh, my Tuesday night game re- recently, and that is mm-hmm. that's bad news. We were <laughs> not ready. Yep, no, there was, uh, I believe there is an Arcanaloth hiding in Curse of Strahd. Nice. And um Literally hiding, and my it was the first time my <laughs> players had heard, heard me say, "Okay, make a save." He cast Finger of Death. No. Oh boy! <laughs> so. I don't want to imply that we've got enough topic now. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's get to that. Okay, so so you've described sort of the purpose of the book. Um, does it live up to that purpose? Does it accomplish this? delivery of giant stuff in order to give you everything you need to make giants a um, a thing in your game? Jared, your take? Actually, I was amazingly happy with what this provides. Um, I think it really did add on to some of the mythology that we got from second edition, which, you know, like we said, hasn't really been touched since second edition and just did a lot of great things with it. Um, they did a really good job of making it generic, but without starting from scratch. Um, there are some sections I'm especially pleased with that I think go way above and beyond sort of the, the call of duty and, uh, m- giving you use it tonight content mm-hmm. right what? i think that's the, the giant enclaves chapter four oh, the enclaves? is mm-hmm. just astounding okay it's it's really good um because it's also very planar content and so mm-hmm. it's use it tonight content for tier three and four and i'm just thinking what who are you and what have you done with watsi right <laughs> three and four we don't we don't make adventures for that we don't, we don't truck with that. No, it's great. that level of play. And, and I really like, if they do any more monster books, I hope they include this, like, here are some very mystical, magical lands that support the theme of this monster. Mm-hmm. So include good. that in those books, because I really, really like that in this one. Yeah, um, it's, in- it's interesting because I like, there are books of, you know, uh, Cobalt Press, I think MCDM, companies have put out books of layers, right? That is definitely a thing that is a popular enough style uh, of, of thing to do that it makes sense that Watsi would do this. It's also the style that, like, I always forget about. You know, when, when I'm looking for something to do, I never remember, oh, yeah, I've got those books full of layers or that, you know, in this case, the the giant layers or whatever, to, rem- or to remember to to find them and look for them when I need them. Um, and I think that's, probably, oh, yeah. that's, that's probably a deficiency on my part, but I don't, I don't know how to solve it. What I like is a lot of these aren't just like, this would be a really cool set piece area for a fight. This is like, this would be really cool to say that this lost magical thing is in this point and they have to explore the area so that you can describe all of this cool stuff that is in that enclave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, 
the thing that I I'm always I know it's it's a it's a thing that D and D players and DMs have historically um, mostly really really loved, and I don't always love it um, because sometimes it feels lazy. Is all the tables, all the random tables, right? Oh, I I'm really happy with the tables in this one. In in this oh, one, yeah. I am very pleased with the tables because because yeah. they're, they're not generic. They're not right. just just you know oh yeah here's here you know you run into two d four knolls or whatever. They, um, they kept polishing these until they had yeah. something to say. Every mm-hmm. table is building a narrative. Every yep. table is is helping you put together, or almost all of them. There there may have been a few tables that were like eh okay this one isn't singing to me right now right there, when you get into the, the like the encounter section. Uh, you know, well, giant themed encounters. Are, okay, I that's it's fine. Whatever. I'm not going to probably use those. Um, but the uh, the rest of the tables, like all, created a campaign in my head that I want to run. I mean, I'm really impressed with the giant kind encounters, uh, and then all of the other thematically connected encounter tables. Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay, here's ones for elementals. Here's yes. ones for. Um, uh, giant kin, giant constructs, uh, megafauna. Mm-hmm. Like that is that's really good. It gets at one of the things that I I most love in Ultraviolet Grasslands, uh, which is a game that I've been I've been singing the praises of Luca's writing since I read that book. And just the tables have that spark of you're actually giving me an idea and not just a filler. Mm-hmm. There's there's something deeper there. It is hitting my brain in a way that I see where to go with this, and I feel like it has velocity. That's mm-hmm. awesome. The other thing that I really liked is when you got into the giant motivations, I think there is something that those tables do better than some things that just explain, for example, hey, this is what most giants are like, and this is what giant society is like, but not everyone has to be that way. Mm-hmm. And the way I think they expressed it better in this is by saying, if you're a giant of this type and you believe in the ordining, these are probably your motivations. If these are, you know, if you're rejecting the ordining, this is probably your motivation. And I think that almost explains better a wider range of giants with more personality types by framing it, you know, in that, you know, that that ordining description better than if you just said, most giants follow the ordering, but some don't. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, that that's really good. Um, that, that table is, is great and has stuff to say. I mean, this book is so crammed with adventure hooks. It is wild, y'all. Yep. No, um, I would, you know, not to um, um, butter up our guests here, but the the books that I would compare it to in terms of the the way it's chock full of adventure ideas and story ideas is probably the Vardari books which are just oh. laced with with adventure ideas all <laughs> over the place that, that means a lot to me because i care about that I care about that a whole lot well I, it was it was one of the first things that impressed me with the original season Vardari book was that every single entry whether whether it's the like in in, in under the seas and I don't remember if Seas does this, but in Under the Seas, there's discussion in each section of here's some adventure hook ideas. Um, I remember reading Seas and being like, I don't even need to get to like explicit here are adventure hook ideas. When I read NPC descriptions, there's a story. There's a way that those characters interact with the party that is implied within within the entries. And 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 so there was just, to, to bring us back on topic, there was just so many ideas for a campaign that you could develop just by where do you go okay well here are the people you run into what kind of adventures is that going to lead you know and and it was just there this book does a similar sort of thing like you don't have specific npcs or locations and that kind of stuff right but there's just so much like let's go through the lore of this god and there are stories in there let's go through the lore of of this kind of giant and there's stories in there uh and there's just stories Uh, everywhere you know, to, you know, dovetail on what you were just saying there. When I read the organizations that they put in here, I was not thinking, why are these here? 
Right. Like you can read those and see like if you include this in a campaign, these are the themes that you're going to be introducing into the campaign. And it's very clear what they would bring to the table if you threw them into your campaign. And I really like that because it wasn't just kind of a weird like these are all giants that believe in this vague thing that giants are interested in. And I don't know how you present that to your players. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah I, I do want to say how much I appreciate your, your comments about um, Seas of Adari and Under the Seas of Adari. Um, Sean Ellsworth and uh, Jack Hauser really brought a lot of great stuff to that. And uh, in the same way that I think that um, uh, James Wyatt, uh, Mackenzie DeArmas, Dan Dillon, Ben Petrosor, and Jason Tondro brought great, great stuff in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I love the the myth content, uh, the, the mythic content mm-hmm. that is, is in here. Um, it's it's very good. Uh, Dying Castro Saga is very good. Um, I love that they started the book with that. That was yep. great. It was a great you know way to say this is the kind of theme we're running with. Here it is, bang. Yeah, although we're getting we're getting a little bit into the meta story, you know how how they've done this thing with fifth edition where there's sort of a meta story of of a character who's describing things or or leaving you notes or whatever. Um, I enjoyed the Diane Castra and Bigby meta story interaction that was going on with this, but it does feel like a weird lift to me um, because. In order to bring Bigby into this, they had to change Bigby's lore in significant mm. ways, uh, and it felt a little bit. Mm, it felt a little bit forced to do it. As much as I enjoyed the the story they told and, and the way they did it, it felt a little bit like this seems a little a little false, you know. I mean, in all honesty, it was almost more you know, Diane Castro presents glory. Also, because people may recognize Bigby, he's here too. Right. And honestly, I like, like, here's what I really wish is I wish this was actually part of like Bigby's lore from back in the Greyhawk days because Bigby, as a gnome uh, who was squished by a giant, like, that is a a more interesting story. That is a more interesting Bigby to me uh, than yet, (laughs) yet another human wizard from Greyhawk, you know? Um, yeah, I personally don't know Big B's lore, so. Um, I mean, I don't know much of it, but I. Yeah, yeah I, I know that maybe our uh, our beloved editor Sam will care, but man, <laughs> I, I don't know any Greyhawk lore at all. <laughs> uh, I did appreciate the bit of art that was showing Morden Kanan like looking in somewhat shock at the squished Big B underneath the rock. <laughs> right. Yep. And, and the art generally was, was interesting and evocative and, and uh, enjoyable in the book as well. But but yeah, so so the, the meta arc was good. I just wish it was something already established. So I, and maybe some of the issue is that we don't really have an established, well-known character going back through multiple editions that really deals with giant stuff anyway. So they kind of took somebody they hadn't, they hadn't played with yet and... and Sort of made it happen, and I know I know a lot of the Watsi guys are big Greyhawk fans, and so it's not a, probably not an accident that they keep bringing in Greyhawk people uh, to be. The, I mean, the meta arcs. Being a fan, uh, uh, Forgotten Realms fan, I don't think Tavis Burden presents uh, the glory of the giants would have worked quite as well. Would have worked quite as well, right? There's a lot of and who know, <laughs> right? No, he was a furbolg in that one trilogy of books. You know, I yeah, no, I've got that trilogy, but it's like you and me, buddy, and that's it. Right. <laughs> well, there's there's the one giant that's uh, the 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 frost giant that's part of the uh, uh, what is it, Force Gray? Yeah, yeah. Har- Harshnag. Harshnag, yeah. Who's 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 decently well known to the fifth edition folks because of his appearance in Storm King's Thunder, as much as anything. But uh, and in the Force Gray actual play, right. Or as many people saw that. Right. (laughs) Speaking of Storm King's Thunder, though, Storm King's Thunder is our 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 biggest sort of giant connected book in in recent years, uh, and definitely the only one for fifth edition, really, other than the Monster Manual. Um, 
How does this book's lore and, and presentation of giants compare to Storm King, the adventure of Storm King's Thunder that came out towards the beginning of the fifth edition run? I think it very much shows like this book. If you would, if these books have been published in reversed, in reverse, this looks like this book is showing you a template for how giants might behave in a setting. Mm. And here's an example of how to apply that to the Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, the whole story about, you know, having a fallen giant empire and having you know, Anum turning his back on his children and all of that, you know, that's pretty much what went into Storm King's Thunder. But then again, that's also what went into the, the you know, the Twilight Giants trilogy and also in uh, Giant Kin, so, or uh, Giant Craft. Well, I, I wonder if the, the narrative explanation of storm king's thunder might have been modified a bit if this book had come out first um because storm king's thunder is presented as being caused by the breaking of the ordning but there's never really any discussion or explanation of what that means this book goes into more lore about the ordning uh and its establishment and and what have you uh and makes me question the whole concept of breaking the ordning as if that's even a thing that's possible. Um, well, it can certainly be rejected. That that much. Yes. Is clear. No. It, mm. it, but but that's not the way it's presented in Storm King's Thunder. It's not presented sure. as the giants decided to all of a sudden to to all reject the ordning. Um, right. You know because they saw weakness. Uh, and honestly, it's the thing that bothers me the most about Storm King's Thunder. It's an adventure that I like a lot, except for the fact that the premise and the conclusion don't make any sense. Storm King's Thunder is great up until the finale, at which point it does not know how to end itself. Yes. Well, and I think it doesn't know how to end itself because its premise doesn't make sense. You know, if, if the concept of the breaking of the ordning made more sense, then the conclusion could actually lead towards restoring the ordning. Um, but they never really dealt with the whole thing. Interestingly, there are some bits in this that would make certain aspects of King's Thunder make more sense. For example, um, giving uh, King Hecaton over to a Kraken would have made sense if he was going to be turned into the one uh, Kraken priest type, you know, uh, giant that they have in the uh, in the uh, monster section of this book. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book itself, it's like I don't know why a Kraken wants a storm giant, but here you go. <laughs> <laughs> And in, I think Actually, this, this book could also enhance Storm King's Thunder as well because you get a couple of oh, yeah. variants of the different types of giants. So there's less rep- repetition of giant types. Absolutely. And the other thing that strikes me about this book in general is this book more like I believe you can have a good D&D book that doesn't hit all of these notes. But this thing just seemed like it knew what it wanted in every single chapter. Mm and laid it out, and then did it. I would agree with that. And most of the time you have a chapter or two that don't quite dial into what it promises, and I really feel like this one is so much more solid on that front. Well, well I mean, I, and that, that's a that's a praise I would assign also to Fizzbonds, right? Yeah. Yes, like, I agree. I, I mean, James, White is a, James White is an amazing book lead. Right, Just, he is. There it is. James is good people. Um Although I do have a few areas that I think they could have done better. And maybe it's that there is context that flavors my my perceptions of these things, right? Um, I found that the monster stat blocks, uh, the new monsters were cool, but the variants uh, of the giants were, you know, there was maybe one variant or one one normal variant and one variant of elemental evil or whatever. Um, and, and I honestly, I think it's because the last book I dove deep into was Flea Mortals, but I found mm. the stat blocks to be kind of ho-hum, right? Um, well, I mean, actually, that that was one of the things I liked, though. Not that there's a limited, but if you look at the theme of giants, all of the major giants get hit. Like, you have variations for all of the giants if they are elemental-infused. You have variations of all the giants if they are scions of the giant gods. You have variations of all of them if they are influenced by demons, you have, you know, specific undead that are native to each of the species. 
I thought they did a great job of hitting all of those themes and making sure they didn't just, you know, they did say they, here's. Yeah, they did hit those themes. I, I I think like if they had done it in like even like a third edition style, right? Give give me five different variants of of a fire giant, and then give me some templates to make them d- demonic and infused or uh, or you know elemental evil. Yeah, but but templates are not usable at the table. No, Templ- not. templates are a disaster at the table. No, that's true. But but if I'm if I'm running a giant themed game that's just normal giants, I'm not dealing with the 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 corruption of of the demons and all that. Then I don't know that having now two types of of fire giants to play with really gives me the variety I'm looking for. And even if I am doing a demon corrupted giant theme, I only have one of those, you know. Uh, so, um, so like I get what they're going. But, they, but they only if them. you are only dealing with one type of giant and demons specifically. Sure. Like, otherwise, you've got six. Right? Yeah, and 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 I'm and I'm certainly DM enough that I can. I can file off the serial numbers and say, look, now I've got seven different varieties of, of cloud giant or whatever. I know what you're saying. Like if you wanted to do a cloud giant themed adventure, you don't have a whole bunch of different cloud giants, but if you were to say, for example, want to run King Thunder again, you can very easily because you're dealing with all different types of giants, make sure that, you know, all of your random encounters are with giants and you don't run into the same type of giants more than once. Right. No, you, I, 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 yes, they absolutely add more variety, and what they've done is 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 good within Watsy standard um, in certain terms of monster design. Um, and, and, and actually, also, I don't. And ultimately, my critique isn't fair because it would require them to have an extra hundred pages in the book that I, I don't think they were ever going to get. <laughs> so yeah, and see, honestly, this but, is something I, I I wanted to say though that I do feel what you're saying. Yeah. I I think. This makes more sense for the page count they had. Yes. But having just reviewed Pandelver and Below and all those chapters with goblins and knowing this is one of two goblin stat blocks that you will be presented for, with for this encounter. Yes, I do wish we did have more variety between like a goblin warrior or a goblin sniper or you know, a goblin sneak, things like that, that were native to D&D. Right. Uh, and, I mean, and, and I think that the monster design of Flea Mortals has me has me uh, spoiled on the variety of different abilities uh, that you could build into a stat block as well. I, I uh, missed the fourth edition style, but go ahead. I will just, I'll just say the, the easiest thing you can do to have more goblin stat blocks is to remember that goblins can be NPCs. Every NPC stat block in the game can be a goblin. Sure. Like, but that, uh, doesn't, that doesn't fix my giants. No, I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> to, the, to speaking to Fendelver and below and, and yes. that, approach to, to monsters but like mm-hmm. if you're willing to have a template forward mindset it does fix your problem with giants because mm-hmm. like okay this is an archmage who is huge and has another 200 points we're good fine whatever i don't care right if, I, if i'm willing to, to change the the hit points and and some of the stats and whatever to, to make right it like dish. i'm just saying that changing hit points is about as uh, low impact, easy to use at the table as it's ever going to get. Yep, absolutely. And and if it's and, and it's also check comes up, I can fudge that. Yeah. Also worth noting that the generic giants that show up in like some of the magic D and D books are real good for that because you can just take like a goblin or a goblin, a giant guard, and say it's fire, it's immune to fire, and it's a fire giant guard. Yeah, I, I do love some of the Magic the Gathering uh, monsters for uh, just covering bases that you have a harder time covering with mm-hmm. uh, D&D core material. The the only other critique I really have of the book is um, is focused around the, the player content. And mostly because if I wanted to run a whole... It's similar to the monsters, I guess. If I wanted to run a whole campaign, a giant theme campaign, there's not really a lot of player-facing things to make your your characters fit into a giant themed game. I mean, there's there's a new build for most of the classes. Um, what? No, 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 there isn't. No, no? correct. No, please. There's, there's new barbarian. Oh, that's right. It, it was ah. just barbarian. 
Yeah. yeah. In fact, that was actually one of my things that bothered me is I really liked in the Unearthed Arcana the primordial yeah. druid that they introduced, and it got axed. Yeah. Yep. That, that was actually really classy, and you can very easily see where it fit in with the megafauna theme they have going on. Right. Yeah. And, and that is a shame for sure. Um, and I wonder, usually they cut things because they don't score well, and yet this is obviously anecdotal. I don't have their numbers, but it seemed, I didn't see a lot of negative feedback on that primordial druid. Yeah, the, I don't think they would have cut it if it hadn't gotten hit hard somehow. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I feel like if, I, if, if you want to give me the things I need to run a campaign themed around whatever it is, I need class options for every class built around that theme. Um, I, I don't I don't really agree with that. No. I I don't think that every character in a dragon focused or giant focused campaign needs to have their subclass relate to that. No, I don't think it I don't think it because I don't think it has to be a requirement, but I think if somebody wants to play the sorcerer it would be nice for them to have something themed as an option to look at to, to better sort of connect their character to that theme. I'm not saying that that I need everybody to be playing a giant-themed class. I'm saying I wish everybody could choose their class and have a giant theme if they wanted to go that route. That's fair. Um, I mean, Tasha says the Rune Knight uh, fighter, it absolutely ruled. And they, and they connect runes a lot to the giants, so that that yeah. would work well. I mean, I mean, it is very explicitly giant themed. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's right there in the text. It's not it's not subtext or anything. It's it's very surface level. Um, but man, that subclass rocks! It is so much fun. I'm playing one <laughs> one um, one of Colin McLaughlin's games, and just the shenanigans you get up to with the cloud rune are not okay. <laughs> so you're having fun i'm having so much fun good um the thing that strikes me as ironic that would have been a great player option is something that they announced and are keeping for the 2024 rules which is using the um using the goliaths as basically half giant options for players mm-hmm. oh um, do well, we not, and do we not have Goliaths as playable races anywhere? Oh, we yeah, actually we do. But twenty twenty four is expanding that from they kind of seem like stone giants to they're just they can be them. any one of the major giants from the ordning. Yeah, that would have been nice to see in this book uh-huh. for sure. Um, well, and um, the the um, world tree uh, barbarians that came out in the latest packet. I know because I was writing about them today. Um, mm-hmm. Man, uh, that that Yggdrasil content would have looked awesome in this, right? right? Oh yeah, because, because the enclaves just tie into that so cleanly, right? Yeah. Uh, and all the all the rune content, like yeah, we're doing a Norse thing here. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I feel like that's that's an area where like they 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 definitely don't shy away from being sort of Norse themed, and they definitely don't shy away from the runes, and they don't shy away from uh, the the idea of the world tree, but they don't lean into it as hard as they could have either. Right, um, and I think that they want to make you feel like I can do this even if I'm not running a uh, the, the the most Viking possible campaign full of Danes yeah. and also some Vikings. And if they have little horns in their helmets, it's not historically accurate, but it is kind of <laughs> rad. But but you you know what would um what would pair well with this is some of the Cobalt Press stuff because they have a whole rune magic thing and, and their deep magic and their hero's handbooks and, and all that kind of stuff that would pair well into a lot of this. And they have a whole Norse region of that setting, so it makes sense for them to have a lot of Norse-themed things. But sure. um, yeah. you, you could do a giant campaign and bring in some Cobalt Press stuff and and really flesh some things out here. Yeah. What, like, what uh, I really... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. One of the things I was going to bring up while we're talking about the world tree, when they go into the world root circle and some of the lore behind that, they are really building on the back end of this first world concept yep. or the overall like story of D&D. And I will just say, having just written my reviews for Spandelver and Below, 
that touches on that there too. So this isn't something they are just lightly dealing with. This is something that they, that seems if nothing else, I have a feeling this is going to play into the Vecna adventures that they have been teasing. Mm. Nice. Um, you were talking about uh, content for, for players. If you're running a giant theme campaign, I think that the content they're doing on the player mode, on the character motivation side uh, with big heroes, big stories, mm-hmm. uh, starting on page 15 and covering basically two and a half pages. Uh, I think that's pretty solid work. Yeah. And I think that is, it, to me, that's the most critical part, right? It, it's, does your character relate at a, at a motivational level to what's going on in the campaign? If so, how? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that is very good stuff and gives a lot of different angles on how you can be directly connected to the things that, that actually go on in a Giants campaign. And I've also been around long enough to to recognize that if every single book that gets published is is chock full of uh, you know class builds and feats and spells and, and all that other stuff is that you quickly run into a lot more bloat um, than an edition can can easily handle. So I do yep. appreciate a little bit of of uh, you know caution in that area as well. So right, I mean. Uh, we did go through. Well, you've got to have a new prestige class for about every class right. to to get that book out, and you, you got to have at least three d six feats. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> um, and, and the same for uh, Paragon Paths and Epic Destinies, mm-hmm. right? And it gets are, to but those things are also cool, and they sell books. So I like I get it, but but <laughs> right. in, in the long term health of the edition is a different story. Right, and, and candy bars are great too. If you eat enough of them, you. Uh... <laughs> well, well you know that that's why Xanathar's and Tasha's are the only. Everyone gets something. Books we've gotten mm-hmm. since 2014, and that's why we're not getting a rules revision until 24. Like that's an incredibly good lifespan. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever you think about how the revision's going. I tried very uh, hard not to think about how it's going. That's fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another thing I think they did really well here, and I'm going to compare it to one of D&D's biggest sticky wickets, and that is they tell you about the Ordning, which is what governs most giant society. They tell you about the giant pantheon. But then in that same section, they go into giants that worship Arco Elementals and giants that worship Archfiends. And I think that is... That is fixing the kind of crap that they fell into with drow, for example, where you can present like most drow have this type of society and most drow have, you know, worship lull, but not turn it into it seems like it's wrong if they don't all worship lull. You know, it's building in that idea that it is literally not a monoculture, even if it has a big, strong culture from which it all came from. Right. Yeah. This was a monoculture once a long time ago. And that's the the misty past but now it's definitely mm-hmm. not i mean that's better and also you can probably make the next leap to mm, that misty past is probably a lie yeah oh yeah especially especially if you were to read those uh twilight giant novels but mm. i can't what's funny is i love them but i don't really suggest anyone go read them <laughs> yeah about that <laughs> okay i have not read them so maybe i won't they're, i, I have been weird i i haven't in Ooh, it's been more decades than i'd like to admit on a, on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> they're a little weird it, it, it goes places um speaking of going places that's another thing that i appreciated and that is they did change the ordining from how it used to work in second edition because they very clearly make it to where the ordning affects, you know, what they used to refer to as true giants, you know, like the storm giants, yeah, giants, you know, holding the other type and, of giants into the, the ordning giants is a great move. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. In, in, that. yeah in, in second edition, everything was part of the ordning, but giant kin were beneath giants. And then everybody else was below giant kin. And they kind of get rid of, out of it, but I also feel like it's flexible enough to where 
there are probably some giants that do believe that. Sure. And, and well, and they kind of and, explicitly talk about the giant kin sort of, of creatures, peoples, whatever, uh, and, and sort of do purposely build in gray. Like, some of some of them feel like they fit into the ordining. Some giants think they fit into the ordining. Some of them reject the ordining altogether. You know, and and it's all sort of shades of gray in mm-hmm. terms of how they fit in and and whether they fit in. Uh, and I, I like that in... they did. Sorry, Jared, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say I like that they made sure to let you know that Furbolgs and Goliaths have a tie to giants, even if they aren't giants, because. I feel like, especially the way Furblogs were introduced, that that connection to giants kind of got cut off, and that was like their major defining characteristic in earlier editions. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say that uh, as we're coming close to the end of our, our time here, I, I would feel remiss if I didn't point out how close the Stewards of the Eternal Throne uh, like organization idea is to just being Monty Cook's Arcana Evolved campaign setting, it, oh. the, the the Diamond Throne, it is pretty line by line close, and <laughs> I, I played in a um, Arcana Evolved game for years and years, and so it's kind of funny to see it here. It it, it made me wonder things, though I I don't want that to sound like an accusation. Just, huh? I wonder oh, but- if this was an old conversation that Monty and James had. Or something. <laughs> it also makes you kind of want to check bylines because it you know, does, yeah, names on covers aren't always everybody that worked on a thing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right on. But um, it, you know, if you find yourself thinking, "Gosh, I wish I could see this idea expanded out to a whole campaign setting," <laughs> friends, I got you. <laughs> I actually have a, probably a spare copy of around somewhere. Is that yeah, good odds? <laughs> it's been a minute. Is the Arcana evolved? Is so that, is that connected to what they did with Tolis? Uh, no, no, that's actually separate from separate from Tolis. Okay. So, uh, Monty Cook released uh, Arcana Unearthed, okay. which was his variant 3.0, yes. and then when 3.5 landed, right, uh, he did his variant 3.5. Right. Uh, but that Reviewing was, that is a whole separate conversation, and right, I have so many opinions. The, but that was the same time period that 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 they were doing Tola stuff. It was that same era of of Tola stuff, which is probably why uh, they inflated it. Tolis is actually later, and it, like so, Monty was running Tolis, right. uh, and I know this because I was reading his blog about it at the time. But mm. um, I also <laughs> know that it published later because I was at the Ennies. In 2007, when Tolis walked away with so many Ennies. Oh. <laughs> right on. I, but I, but you know, 2007 was just, you know, yesterday. Right? Nope. I, 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 was, I, was <laughs> I was particularly curious because if, if you're saying there's ideas in Monty Cook's publications from the, that time period, from 3rd edition, that ring true to, to expanding on lore here, they have done a 5th edition update to Tolis. But it mm. probably doesn't have all. I, I mean, I have it. I backed it on Kickstarter. Uh, I I have looked through it, but man, is it a, a densely packed book, uh, as one would expect yep. from from Monty Cook. So um, from Tolis in particular, yeah. Yes. Uh, so so I don't and I, so I don't know that setting well enough to know if there would be useful things in there uh, for running a giant campaign or not. So I mean, I mean, Tolis is definitely not part of the Diamond Throne setting. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, like what I, what I just want to get our listeners to understand about this is how many adventure hooks there are in here. It it is one of the most densely packed collections of adventure hooks without feeling dense to read Yes, because it it, it Mm -hmm. reads just fine. Like it, it, the flow of the reading is, is wonderful, but man, it is just crammed. With yeah. adventure hooks, and that's great. I basically did a cover to cover to read through in the exact way I recommend people not do with game books. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. and, and, and it read very well. Um, at no yep. point in time did I feel like, ah, oh, this is kind of a slog, but I got to finish it for the for the podcast, right? 
which oftentimes happens. But in this case, it was, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, and it just sort of kept going, flowing along, and it was interesting the whole way through. Um, yeah, no, I, I have been brewing an idea for a potential campaign in the future wherein I don't, I don't mash up specific large adventures like I've been doing in recent years because I try to get find a way to to cover lots of different storylines and experience those things. Yeah. Um, but instead, doing uh, you know, I've got all these things with great little seeds or little one shots or or short little adventures. Let's 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 you know, and th- this would fit really well into that thing. You know, um, you know, it's it's the it's the campaign that I I've talked about on our on the Discord and I've mentioned to to you, Brandis, that. That I that I've set up with my kids, where it's like, hey, we're going to play in Vardari because there's mm-hmm. all kinds of adventure seeds there, and the Radiant Citadel is there, and Candlekeep is there, and, and whatever. Like, and now I feel like this book has so many seeds into it that I could just start throwing giant stuff into it as well, and it would still create this this flow of like, okay, here's five different possible adventure seeds. What do you want to go explore this time? And it would just work, and I could I could come up with an adventure if i don't already have one um oh right and and i mean because uh the the six classic giant types are in the srd right they're in vodari right so Mm -hmm. a huge portion of the work uh just lets itself be done right we didn't have to jump through weird hoops and now you don't either right to to just get that to flow together right right Oh, make sure to describe your uh, frost giants wearing broken up ships for armor because that's cool. That that is rad. I, I can confirm. Right on. Okay. Other sort of last thoughts, things people want to say about this book before we say goodbye. Uh, we didn't talk about the magic items. There's a, oh. a zillion magic items, and uh, I've never seen them go as hard on artifacts as they do here since the, yeah the what. Uh, a first dead book of first or second dead book of artifacts that's all artifacts uh, yeah second edition Set, thank second you. artifacts yeah it is, it is a lot of artifacts. I love that book by the way <laughs> what was weird to me is they had guns and I don't usually associate guns with uh, with giants mm-hmm. well right and there was the topaz annihilator in Fizzbonds right yeah they're kind of making a point that yeah, no magic guns are a thing. Like you don't have to hand them out, but if you like guns, it's it's a part of the game. Here's here's how you can do it. You know, it, it's part of the game, and you know we're we're going to support it. Right. You don't have to engage, but we're gonna have this here for you if you like it. If you were in a setting where people sailed and they had guns, <laughs> interesting. Yes, go on. <laughs> Boy, there's been a lot of, of nautical themed settings discussed in this book about giants. <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> and and, uh, Brand, and oh, Brandis has not once been the one to bring it up. So. Well, uh, I'm just going to say if you need an underwater setting, I got one of those for you too. That PDF is on sale now, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, there's storm giants there. Confirm. <laughs> It could be. I don't, I don't remember giants showing up in that setting book, but but there's uh, giants in my version of Vidari. Right. We mentioned them in places, I, I yeah. think, probably. Probably for sure. Oh, yeah. That um, cross giant reference definitely is from... Oh. Um, but, like, the, I guess my, my one last thing, my really one last thing, is that um, there may not be enough of one kind of specific giant in, in the monster section for some uses, but man, there's a nice wide range. If you take the whole thing together, mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a good swath of monsters and there's some weirdos in here. And <laughs> there are things I have not seen a zillion times. And that makes me real happy. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you want to drop dinosaurs on your characters, even when they're still in tier four? <laughs> uh, right. I, I want to drop a lot of some like mist hulks on my tier three <laughs> characters, like so many mistalks. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I have the the extra. Like I'm currently with my adult group, I'm running um, Descent into Avernus, and there was a lot here that I'm like, oh, I can, I can, 
there's no reason that there can't be giants amongst the the demon hordes or or um you know i've got a couple of shadow kai characters and so we're bringing in a lot of that kind of stuff the 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 death giants fit perfectly into that story i was gonna say we never even mentioned death giants right (laughs) it's very good um like i'm always gonna be a fan of raven queen story i just am y'all like it's it's basically neil gaiman's fault okay (laughs) <laughs> well, you would like my current uh, Descent into Avernus campaign then, because the Raven Queen plays heavily. Uh, in, in my, so Tuesday, my, my Tuesday night game that uh, most weeks I'd be going to play in about half an hour uh, is very Raven Queen focused. Yeah. We're in Gloomrot. We've been in Gloomrot for a couple levels now, so like it, it's a very Raven Queen friendly campaign. Yeah. We've had a whole lot. I'm of, so hey, torn. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I'm so torn because she doesn't fit into Forgotten Realms lore, but I like her so much as a D&D element. Well, so so my campaign is is Forgotten Realms centered, but I had these two characters, these two players that wanted to play Shadark High Twins, uh, and part of this sort of Assassin's Guild or whatever coming from the Shadowfell. I was like, okay, well, they're, they're not from the Forgotten Realms. The Raven Queen doesn't hold domain here. And, and there's a lot of conversation between the Forgotten Realms and then going into Avernus. Uh, they have been reminded many times, like the Raven Queen does not have dominion over the souls in Avernus. Um, you know, so so watch yourself here. You're you are out of your jurisdiction. Um so so you may you know, we've made that work because because they're Shadow Kai and they're specifically from the Shadow Fell and they're just planner travelers, you know, and that's that's mm-hmm. how it worked. That's how it worked out okay, but yeah, that's very good. Yeah, so there's been a lot of Raven Queen. So I could go, I could go into that in detail, but I don't know that that's what people tuned into this episode <laughs> for. So, yeah, you have a whole different show for that, bud. We do have a whole different show, but I don't get to talk to the two of you about it. So. Uh, that that's an invitational issue. You, oh. you can solve that. You know, maybe do a Raven Queen all the time episode I, of whatever. I, I have talked several times or, or and thought very seriously about, you know, someday if we do, uh, we could do a spinoff behind the DM screen with just three different DMs talking about their games. Uh, <laughs> and, and we could cross over when somebody couldn't make it and, and it could be all kinds of fun. So, you know, the other screens, maybe yeah, <laughs> behind the other screens. So, so maybe, uh, the 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 next iteration, the sequel iteration of behind the DM screen, will feature uh, Jared and Brandis and, and and a third person that that we'll have to come up with. So it'll be, it'll be Jared talking about being in my campaign some of the time, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Any other last thoughts? Because we are knocking on an, on an hour here. Um, the very last thing that I wanted to bring up is that it's very interesting to me that there's a sidebar talking about different types of related stories and many of those stories fall in tier three and touch on tier four and part of what's interesting about that is we haven't had that before but part of what's interesting to me about that is storm king's thunder does not go into those tiers yeah so, so it is kind of teaching you how to follow up storm, storm king's thunder yeah mm-hmm. potentially which storm king's thunder needs so there we go um, I mean, it's also a very good follow-on to Princes of the Apocalypse. Same yes. reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. New giant-focused elemental evil stuff. Like that's amazing. Yeah. I am. I, I'm actually really thrilled with that. Just for showing that, hey, elemental evil still a storyline. Even if you did Princes of the Apocalypse, we promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love the one picture with the Drow Priestess with all the fire giants worshiping the Elder Elemental Eye in the one picture. It's just. I like that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I think we're going to go ahead and call that the end of this episode then. I want to say thank you to our guest, Jared Rasher. Where can people go on the internet if they want to experience more of the wonderfulness that is you? All right. Well, you can go to uh, gnomestew.com to see some of my reviews. You can also go to whatdoiknowjr.com, which I have even more reviews at. And you can listen to me and my friend Ange, who is the leader of uh, Gnome Stew, on Thaco with Advantage. All right. Thaco, not Thaco, huh? I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) No one ever told me how to pronounce it when I was growing up, okay? (laughs) Right on. And Brandis Stoddard. 
if people want to experience more of the glory of Brandis, where do they go? Well, uh, you can find me on uh, Blue Sky. Uh, the the replacement for that other uh, social media website <laughs> uh, at brandistoddard.bsky.social. And I have to look that up every time still because um, I also write for tribality.com. Uh, my personal blog is brandistoddard.com. By, by personal, I just mean I write gaming content there also. It, it's not like really personal about my life. I, I want to give the wrong impression. <laughs> Anyway, and also I have a, a Patreon, which is Brenda Stoddard. Right on. And if you want to contact the the show, you can also do that. We are uh, we have an email at gmail.com. We are on all of the various social. Well, I am on all the various social medias, uh, and I'm usually Squatch S Q U A C H. That includes Blue Sky Threads. The the Twitter's is still active. I don't know all the other ones too. Mastodon, um, you know, I'm I'm around. Um, Watch as Jeff gets lost among social media. I mean, thing is, I have them all, and I pay very little attention to almost all of them. It, it's actually the right way to do it, I think. Um, <laughs> Tracy is also around on the social media. She's usually Sarah Dark Magic, Sarah with an H. Uh, in case you wanted to reach out to her and say, "Yo, I hope you're feeling better." Um, that you can reach her on a lot of the social medias that way as well. Uh, I want to thank all of our the people who support the show by being patrons over at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. We appreciate you, and without your support, it would make it more difficult to you know, pay the bills that keeps the show going. All right, this has been episode 360, where we got reincarnated as a gnome and hung out with the goddess for a while. In this episode of the tone, the tone, the tone, the tone, the tone, the tone. I'm on the wall.